Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So I'm soon to be 57 years old in May, and I'm sadly now closer to 60 than 50. And my reality is that my family and friends are aging. And you know what? We're all facing new challenges. And even more tragically, some of them are dying. But that said, probably the most rattling experience more recently was parenting my own parents. I was so very blessed in that my sister, Laura, and I were a team. We had two other brothers, but in another show, I've already shared that it was basically up to the two sisters. My father lived to the very end with his full mental capacities, sharp as a tack. And it ended up being his organs due to cancer that failed him. My mother had a mild stroke, but in her later years, her memory lapsed. But we were uniquely blessed in that her world turned into this blissful journey of only remembering the positive like only being happy. And quite honestly, we heard a few stories that I'm not sure were reality, but the doctors told us to play along. And I had always growing, I'd always grown up knowing that I had three other siblings. And then one doctor appointment in the latter months, my sister and I were told that there were six of us in total. (laughs) And we wondered that maybe there were some miscarriages that we didn't know about. But again, you know, we played along that we had six siblings. (laughs) So as I've shared before many times, my my mother taught us all, you are here to serve others. So when that moment came along, I didn't even skip a beat in realizing, okay, I got to step up and I've got to parent my parents. I am clearly not alone. And that's what you're going to hear today. A few stats for you. More adults these days find themselves becoming a caregiver for a family member, especially as the older demographic continues to grow in in size. And according to the Family Caregiver Alliance, 85% of caregivers look after a relative or other loved one, and 45% of them care for a parent. So many of those who are taking care of elderly parents, though, they face their own issues of negative emotional impact and social isolation, according to Stanford University. And and you're going to hear about that today as people um, are so gracious in sharing their own stories. And the good majority of these caregivers, 85% of them say they need more info, they need help. And so today we're going to address this challenging, this most challenging of pivot points in our life and family and is equally stressful when we're juggling you know, jobs and, and careers and all that fun stuff. But more specifically, we're going to address parents who have dementia and more specifically, Alzheimer's. So let me just clarify the difference. So Alzheimer's is a specific brain disease that accounts for 60 to 80% of dementia cases. And Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. Dementia is a general term for symptoms like decline in memory, reasoning, or other thinking skills. So Alzheimer's is a cause of dementia. 
And you've got yet a third type. Um, well, and, and worth noting too, that dementia is not a normal part of aging. It is caused by damage to brain cells that affects their ability to communicate, which can affect thinking, behavior, and feelings. And that third type, which is a milder version of cognitive impairment is MCI, mild cognitive impairment. And oftentimes what happens is individuals will develop MCI and it may or may not develop into Alzheimer's. But again, it's a milder version of the two mentioned above. So today you're going to hear from three incredible female leaders, and they're going to share their personal journey and how they navigated this. And more importantly, they're graciously going to share their advice. I'm Sarah Alter, your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and proudly the CEO and president of Next Up. And I am joined by the incredible Tara Schultz, category management team leader at Kimberly Clark, working on the Walmart team. Patricia Boswell, she's a licensed practical nurse, author, you're going to hear about her book, and future podcast host. And then last but not least, Gayatri Agnew, who is head of Global Accessibility Center of Excellence for Walmart. So welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. All righty. So let's kick off our, our conversation. Um, Patricia, yes. uh, why are you here? What in your personal and professional journey have brought you to this so very important discussion? Okay, I know we only we don't have a year to hear about all this. But how, <laughs> We've got 50 minutes precisely. Right, yeah. Perspective here. Uh, originally yeah. went to school for nursing, decided to go into being a businesswoman, entrepreneur, uh, have an operations background, decided in 2008, oh, let me just see what's what is out there. Went out there, realized, wow, nothing's changed in the medical field after being away from it like 25 years and just decided, you know, there has to be a change. Having that operation background, things can be done, processes can be done a lot better. And so that was the beginning of the journey. And then I realized about dementia, Alzheimer's, um, end of life, um, a dementia practitioner, end of life specialist, and juggling two different industries over the last 12 years and decided uh, when the opportunity came to write a book about caregiving, because that was one of the things I recognized in doing critical Mm -hmm. care and end of life that people really did not understand caregiving and they really did not understand how to care for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. So that's how uh, coming out April 26, Caregiving with Love and Joy, an expert's guide to providing the best Alzheimer's disease and dementia home care came about because I wanted people to really enjoy the time that they're with their loved one, but also not to have the amount of stress that uh, taking care someone has if you don't understand how to care for them. And it's a lot of work and we need to be educated as uh, a population in a global world, how to care for people because you cannot avoid it. As um, yeah. I just mentioned, you know, you go, you come into life wearing a diaper, someone places it on you and then you leave having a diaper on. And that's because yeah. you, you yeah. actually, you, you revert back to, 
childhood, especially with dementia and Alzheimer's, you're, you're going back, yeah. you're going backwards. You're not going forwards. And people, people need to recognize that and be prepared. But that's and a little it, bit it, of my journey. Yeah. And, and, and it was interesting, Patricia and I were talking before the show and it's because it's not a happy topic. It's, it's not one where we're, you know, you know, taking initiative to seek information and educate ourselves until we absolutely have to, you know, unlike so many other things in our lives. And, and so we're hoping in today's discussion that everybody learns quite a bit in terms of, you know, how they personally navigate this caretaking responsibility and, and how companies and leaders can support them. Um, Gayatri, welcome. What, uh, what brings you to our discussion today? Thank you so much, Sarah. Of course. I'm thrilled to be here today to talk a little bit about my journey as a caregiver and my journey with my mom. Um, so I, um, I, have a, I have a job at Walmart. I have two amazing yeah. children who are now five and seven. But about four years ago, um, my mom did what a lot of amazing grandmas do, which is she both retired and then relocated. And she relocated to be close to me and my young children. And about six months after her move to where we are living, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I have this very distinct memory of being in the doctor's office with her. And, you know, I had been waiting from the moment my children had been born. I had been waiting for my mom to retire because we had always talked about how, yeah. Like she wanted to be a very active and engaged grandmother and she, and she was yeah. uh, right up until the point that she couldn't be anymore. And I remember when the doctor sort of told the both of us that this is what was going on um, immediately, you know, Sarah, when you said parenting your parent, it was like, it was like, I all of a sudden realized as a mother of two young children that I just had a third, um, a yeah. third to care. Like it was just this like visceral reaction. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. a really interesting journey over the last four years. And, um, you know, you mentioned it's a hard thing to talk about. And um, I think for me, the two things that have really come to come to light and come to life is one, my own identity as a caregiver. Like I, I'm very clear that I'm a mother. I have two young children, but um, my mom is in an assisted living community. She's in a memory care community. Mm -hmm. Because of that, um, despite the fact that I'm one mile away from her and I'm their first phone call, whatever, you know, I, yeah. I, I didn't see myself as a, as a caregiver, putting that in air quotes, as a caregiver, I'm putting that in air quotes, because I wasn't doing everything she needed. Um, and so it's been an, my own identity journey to really recognize that care looks a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, there is one person that picks up the phone. They're like, yeah. they're, or what yeah. the dynamics are. There yeah. is. There is a person yeah. who's going to receive a call. Um, and if that is you, you are the caregiver. Um, right. You know, that's, um, and yeah. then, and the other piece is just like that, um, that sense of loss, but not yet experiencing death. So that sense of loss of an active grandparent for my children, the sense of confusion of my children, not understanding what was happening with my mom. Yeah. Um, and none of that are the sort of administrative burdens of care. Those are the emotional burdens of care. So just, just a lot. It's been an interesting four years and I try to talk about it as much as possible because I don't think that we talk about it, particularly in the context of corporate America or the role that companies can play in alleviating some of the burden, but yeah. also yeah. our stories. Um, right. Yeah. I don't think it's talked about enough 
everyone talks about mm-hmm. research, but they don't talk about caregiving. And that's one of the things that I would like to change globally, that we talk about caregiving because it's a long stretch and people don't understand how long that stretch could be. And yeah. probably one of the things that about your mom, her being away from you, you didn't realize that she had dementia and Alzheimer's already in place. So when she talked to you on the phone, she sounded right. very clear. And mm-hmm. then as soon as you started living with her, that's when you said, oh, my God, within two weeks, you probably noticed there was an issue. Whereas yeah. before you were on the phone and you just thought she was doing fine. And that's one of the things that happens. But the fact that you recognized it so fast and you didn't yeah. have that denial that so many people do have that you were able to get her care immediately and figure it out. Yeah. But now you're figuring out yeah. your role as a caregiver. And yeah. that role is being an, a manager of the yeah. caregiver, caregiving. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's so true. I remember my sister and I, you know, we were the, the, we were the phone calls, right? And my mom, when we moved her into the, um, you know, section of the assisted facility where people were, you know, um, cognitively challenged, we would get a call every day that like, okay, your mom packed her entire room up again and is in the lobby waiting for you to come get her. (laughs) And I remember my sons, I I sent them there one Thanksgiving to pick her up and they're like, mom, is grandma coming home with us? Cause like she has all her luggage packed up. (laughs) So it, I completely appreciate what you're saying, Gayatri, that it's, you know, you're blessed in that you have her in a facility, but you're still the caregiver beyond right and some Um, people are not you know being a caregiver making the choices of going to having someone at home and as opposed to having someone in assisted living that's also very very uh, mind-blowing in a lot of ways because it's a mental thing are you doing the right thing but at the same time you have young children and you have to support yourself and Mm -hmm. the one thing about alzheimer's and dementia they need supervision when they get to a certain level and you don't know what that level is and not everybody gets to the level at the same time, they need 24 hour supervision and you need to figure out what's going to be the best way yeah. for you and your family yeah. and for your loved one. Absolutely. So Tara, um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, what thank brings you. you here? Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. So as you mentioned, I am a team leader with Kimberly Clark, located Mm -hmm. in Northwest Arkansas. But aside from that everyday job and the job of, I am also a caretaker um, and a mom. And I lead Kimberly Clark's employee resource group called the Family Caregiver Network. Um, The Family Caregiver Network is very special to me. Because three years ago, I found myself unexpectedly becoming a caregiver. The event that really started it for me is that my mom fell and she had to have a full hip replacement surgery. Um, What a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know before then, is that anesthesia can catalyst dementia. And yeah, I was very lucky that you know, it was a sudden event that I became a caretaker, but that she had had a will and a trust all in Mm -hmm. place, Mm -hmm. but I had to suddenly start managing all of her finances, making decisions about her health Mm -hmm. and her care. And there's no other way to put it than it is just a lot to take on. 
part of my role at Family Caregivers Network is really to help our coworkers feel empowered to make the decisions as they become co- as they become caregivers because some people have warnings, some people are more like Gayatri and I, where all of a sudden it was it just happened, yeah. right? And yeah. um, it's a very I listed some of like the decisions, but the emotional connection to it is just completely overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. So Patricia, you've written a book. Yes. And, and in your book um, and the title of your book, so our audience can race out and buy it when it's, it's, it's for sale, right? It's a pre-sale right now and it's launching April 26th in the audio and uh, uh, paperback. And like I mentioned before, it's caregiving with love and joy and an expert's guide to Alzheimer's and dementia. And And in the book, I really talk about in the very beginning is denial, because that's one of the things that really holds people Mm -hmm. back in care. And once they come out of the denial part of, oh, this is really what's happening, and they really understand the signs and symptoms of dementia or even, you know, caregiving in general. Um, it becomes more of, let me enjoy this person. Uh, my aunt, as I talk about in the beginning of the book, uh, my parents didn't have dementia. Uh, they had other um, physical issues when they passed away. So I had not really experienced the caregiving of someone with dementia, but I was really on the road of, from my own experience working with individuals. But then I actually had firsthand because I have two cousins that are males. And just not to put males down, it's a different dynamic for males taking right. care. It, it just the, is. Especially yeah. their moms. Yeah. And it's not just with Alzheimer's. It's a different relationship. And I always like to tell people that it's, it's, it's I can't explain it, but I've witnessed it so many times with all, con- with all males, all ages. It's just that certain kind of bond that they have with their moms. And caring mm-hmm. for them is a lot harder than for a female to care for their mom. But um, at the same time, I just feel felt like what I had the opportunity to take care of my aunt for three and a half years that was supposed to be for six months because my I just could not hand her over to my cousins because they weren't mm-hmm. equipped to manage her. Mm-hmm. And so I cared for her until she actually really could, had to go into a personal care home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was challenging because my one cousin was on, like understood everything. And the one that was closest to her did not understand everything. And that's the person I was working with. And it was very stressful because he could not get out of denial. He would understand, but his actions were still in the denial phase when he was supposed to do things. He just assumed she could do it and she couldn't do it. Yeah. And one example, I took her to the, her first appointment and we sat there for 30 minutes and she couldn't fill out the form. And I said to him, you have to help her fill out the form. Yeah. Can't you, yeah. You've been sitting here on your phone for 30 minutes and she hasn't written anything on the form. You've got to participate. Yeah. And so one of the things that I, I say to people all the time, once you come out of denial, then you can actually start putting a care plan together. And right. I call it the family care plan in the book, where you put your team together because this is not a disease that you can do by yourself in caregiving. It has to be with a team or you're going to break down yourself. And I've seen people who did it. And then I know someone now 
who I know a couple of people that did not put a team together and now they have Alzheimer's from all the stress. Oh my goodness. And, and to that point, it's as much about, okay, who's going to take care of my parent, um, you know, from an assistance perspective, but then, you know, Tara, to, to your point, um, it's, it's the lawyer because you need to take over the power of attorney, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was in which you don't know about things like power of attorneys. In my opinion, it was like, I could just start making the decisions. Right. And that's not how it works because in a lot of places you can't get that power of attorney mm-hmm. until she dies. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. every financial institution, every investment had completely different rules about what you had to go through. And mm-hmm. it's just that navigation alone was just, you know, something simple where you even just want to be able to access money to help pay for healthcare. And it's it's just not as easy as I would have thought it was. So it's better to do that sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get put onto there, get put your name on early onto all the investments so that you can access them and be a co because once a lot of times when you're working with companies or you're trying to get information about investments, like I just had some tax forms that got sent to her house, but then she couldn't find them. Um, So having to try to contact them, but I'm not on listed there. So then she has to get onto the phone to give them permission, but uh, yeah. doesn't always want to do that. Right. Or like Seen be on the movie. phone call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just those little things that you just don't think of. And it's like, oh my gosh, I just needed one tax form. And here I am five hours later, yes. yeah. hoping to get it. <laughs> um, and Tara, did you have full power attorney? Um, my brother also is a co, um, but I do have full power of attorney as far as financial and medical. Um, but my brother doesn't live close. Um, so no fault of his own. He just can't be here for a lot of the daily phone calls, phone right? Calls, right? She's in an assisted living also yeah. just like Gayatri's uh, mom. And you just, you see the little number come up across the phone that's from the assisted living. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, okay. it's like getting now? the call from school. <laughs> it kind right. of is. It kind right. of is. Right. Yeah, you're getting and, the call from school. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and you, um, you yeah. know, you're like, what did my child do today? Why are they calling me? Yep. Yep. That little gut feel, that little feeling in your gut just shows up when um when that number calls across for sure. So Patricia, the third stage or third phase is the end stage, right? Yes, that's talk to us about that. Well, end of life is a very interesting um, dynamic to me. It's one of the parts of nursing that I really, really um, enjoy because I'm advocating for the person who's end of life, because a lot of times the family members and the friends are so emotional that it becomes their death instead of the person who's dying. And sometimes I have to advocate and put into place certain yeah. certain um, conversations about how to care for them and what to look for, because this is a time that you can talk to individuals. Um, they might not be able to respond as they're transitioning, but they can definitely hear and feel. So it's very important that you are communicating with them, but not expecting any kind of feedback, but you're talking to them. 
on an ongoing basis and making sure they have the right care so that they can transition and let go. They are comfortable of letting go. Um, There's some people that hold on because they're waiting for a particular person to come from out of town. I've seen that. And then once that person comes, they pass on. I've seen someone have a big dinner and then two hours later, I mean, they were sitting up talking and all the next thing, you know, they're declining and they're gone. So people do know that they're passing on. They do understand the process when they're dying. But I always think the people surrounding them don't always do. And so I, you know, I really like to advocate that people try to educate themselves on death and dying, because it is one thing that we're definitely going to have in our lifetime is death. It's not going away. It happens and we're not here forever. And so you, you know, you want to have a, a, a great transition. You want to be comfortable. You've made yourself comfortable all year, for many years while you're working, retiring. And I've just seen people who have done that. And then their last six months, it's like a horror story. And um, just as I said before, you really have to educate yourself and not put as much stress on yourself and the one that's passing on your loved one. I'll um, just on that point. Um, there was a point with my mom, uh, probably like two years ago, you know, she, when she was first diagnosed, she, she was very much still engaged, but Patricia, the way you're saying that they can hear and feel, but not respond. There was this very specific sort of arc in her decline where that began to occur And I had to, I actually had this like sort of physical exercise I would do before I'd leave my car and go in to visit her, where I would just like leave all of my emotional baggage and all of my needs and everything I needed from my mom, I would leave it in the car. And then I would just go in to her room and be able to show up for her as a, as a caring, kind person, because she she, she knows that she loves me. She like, she knows that I am part of yeah. her family, yeah. but she doesn't know who I am. And, mm-hmm. um, right around that same time, about two years ago, she started calling me mama. So yeah. when I would come in, she would, and, and it's like, I've repeated that to folks. And I've said, it is the hardest, saddest, kindest thing that, you know, that, that will ever happen between my mom and I. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yes. no, you just, okay, I just had chills and tears, Gayatri, <laughs> that, that is amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And it happens all the time. I've yeah. had friends where their yeah. mother, um, a, a male friend of mine, he cared for his mom for like 10 years. And um, he was, a, I mean, a champion caregiver. And um, she at one point just re- recognized him as her husband because she would call mm-hmm. him that because she just, that's mm-hmm. what she remembered. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. that's probably some kind of the way you look or the way you talk reminds her of her mother. And that's why she's calling you because they go back in time. And- so, so we're going to take a quick short commercial break, um, but please don't leave us because when we come back, what we're going to cover is all of the great advice and and guidance that these three incredible women can share. And and more importantly, as as a leader in a corporate organization, what can you be doing to help your employees that are having to to navigate this challenge? I want to thank everybody who's listened in so far to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. 
You can always check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our podcasts. So grab a fresh cup of coffee or tea. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities. Get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Tara Schultz, Category Management Team Leader at Kimberly Clark, working on the Walmart team, Patricia Boswell, Licensed Practical Nurse, Author, and Future Podcast Host, and Gayatri Agnew, Head of Global Accessibility Center of Excellence at Walmart. And in today's show, we're talking about how adult children step up to parent their own parents, and how companies can provide support in this personal journey. Um, so, Gayatri, let's let's kick this off with you. Um, what advice would you give to somebody else who is now, you know, personally having to step into this role? Yeah, yeah. You know, we we opened the show by talking a little bit. Patricia shared with us the the denial that a lot of people go through. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the first bit of advice is that you've got to be braver than that feeling of denial because your parent yeah. needs you to be. And um, I, I parallel pathed my horrified denial with my active care for my mom. Like it, I couldn't let go of the denial, but I also couldn't ignore the signs I was seeing from my mom. Um, and I think, you know, I have, I have two siblings and they don't physically live in the same place where I am. And so I think the other piece is that, um, your fam, the family that can show up for mom or dad, um, there's going to be dynamics in that family. There always are. Um, and, and the thing you've got to be able to do is minimize the negative impacts of those dynamics and maximize whatever 
efficiency or effectiveness you can do. And so one of the things my family chose to do right out of the gate was because I was physically in proximity to mom, anything that could be done that wasn't, that didn't require physical proximity, we essentially outsourced to one of the other two siblings. So like being on hold with the insurance company for a half an hour, I did not need to do that. That did not need to happen with my physical proximity to mom, but there would be so many things that the physical proximity meant, like I had to be the one to, you know, all kinds of things. And so Mm -hmm. we attempted to, um, and, and it's worked, you know, it's worked as well as something like that can work. There's dynamics, but I think we, we have a family meeting every um, month and just like a phone call with each other. And we check in and different, different folks in our family have different responsibilities. My brother does the finances. My sister does the healthcare, like the healthcare administration. And then I'm the person in in physical proximity to mom. So I think just really um, powering through your denial and recognizing that it's really hard for one person to hold the full burden of what that care what that scope of caregiving is. So if there's any way to um, to put a team together, that's um, what I talk about. Recommend it. Yeah, no, yeah. it it completely relate with that. My sister lived like five ten minutes drive, and she had greater flexibility in her work schedule. So she and I, you know, agreed that okay, we'd drive out you know, take mom out or, you know, bring her back to our house, you know, at least like once a week and we got all the holidays and, you know, so that gave her a break because she was probably there like a couple times a week. And, and so it was to your point, you have to divide and conquer. Um, Yeah. uh, Tara, how about you? Your advice and guidance. Oh, so I thought I was going to be the most prepared person for this. So <laughs> of course I would. Yeah. Exactly. So Kimberly <laughs> Clark, um, we actually have the depend and poise brands. So in my current mm-hmm. role, I have seen decades worth of research about caregivers. Um, mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, I was going to ace this, right? Because I mm-hmm. knew, I knew millions and millions of dollars worth of insights, right? That, that I was going to get this. Um, but I struggled and you can have the best plans in place, but you just can't be emotionally and physically like prepared for the toll it's going to have on you, Mm -hmm. um, to Patricia's point. And I actually, since we started talking really locked onto this denial phase. So I was in denial. I did not know that I was in denial. And I was going down this path of once my mom's out of the hospital, she's going to get back to normal. It's the facility. Um, And once she got out, there's help with the little things that normally happen as you age, right? You need help with your medications, with the yard, all of the cleaning and tried to justify that, you know, it was just her broken hip that she was recovering from. It wasn't actually this. Um, Eventually we did see a memory care specialist and it wasn't until they said she has dementia and she needs to be in an assisted living facility that I was able to move on to that care plan stage. You know, who knows how long, if I hadn't received what I would consider an expert telling me how long I could have been sitting in that denial phase. So my big advice is, you know, realize that denial in this is a thing, right? There's so, um, you hear about, yeah. Let's say drug addictions or something, you know, the first thing there's denial. It's here too. 
So realize that it's there Mm -hmm. and then go with your gut. If your gut is telling you that something is off, something's just a little different, like don't be afraid to reach out to professionals. Um, Exactly. And finally, like have conversations early, right? I mentioned like getting onto the investment accounts, getting your names on there, but know, you know, all of their healthcare desires, know what's in place for like care at home versus care in a facility and what is reality and what is the reality of your, of what you as a caregiver can take on. And, you know, really just a lot is what Gayatri said too. Just, you know, you just have to find a plan and be ready as best you can, because Mm -hmm. your emotion, you're going to be so emotional at this time that having all those other decisions made ahead of time is going to simplify it so much. So, so Patricia, um, what are, what are the resources out there that, you know, people like, you know, Tara and Gayatri can reach out to, you know, Tara, you were so blessed that within Kimberly Clark, there was a community, right. And you were there for each other and you could guide each other, but say that doesn't exist. And we'll get into what companies should do in a little bit, but Patricia, what, what resources are out there that people Um, can tap into? Of course, it's the Alzheimer's Association. Okay. Um, And the other resources that most people don't know, AARP has quite a few resources in education. And also, most people, they get it annually, but they don't read their Social Security Medicare book that comes in every year with the resources or what they're entitled to and what they're not entitled to what, you know, people are a lot of times under the assumption that social security will pay for Medicare pays for everything and Medicare does not pay for everything. And then there's some things that Medicare pays for that people don't even tap into. So you really, with your family care plan and your power of attorney, you have to put all of that together it's not just a team of medical specialists, because as you, if you're going to take care of your, your individual loved one at home, you have to have a medical team. You have to have a podiatrist. You have to have the dentist because they still need all that care. And right. you're now responsible for all those different care, get, uh, medical team. Those people are very important to the care of keeping up your loved one. So then you have that team. And then you also have to have that the team, as I spoke to you about with the resources, having people that you know that can really help you with certain um, tasks at home, because not everybody has a sibling, but it might be a neighbor, it might be your church, it might be an organization that you're Mm -hmm. with, like we're having this particular conversation now. So you have to tap into all these different types of resources, and they're different depending on where you live, and how you live and your work schedule. So that's why I say that you have to come out of denial because once you come out of denial, then you'll be, your mind will be free to figure out, oh, who can help me as part of my team? If I have my loved one home, when can I have a break to go exercise? Because your, your mental state is just as important as their mental state because you will not survive without having your time for yourself. And like both of you all have little children so probably the best thing for you all was to put your parent, your mother into an assistant living. But there's some people that have grown children that try to keep their, their mother or their father home to care for them with, that has mm-hmm. dementia. 
And that's, that's a whole different dynamic too. So and you have um, to have a lot of patience, more patience than you would have with your uh, child. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot because you're transitioning, you're transitioning as the parent. And that's hard because you've been used to your parent telling you all the things that you should be doing. Yeah. And now you're telling your parent, plus the mental part of it is declining. So they might be repeating themselves a hundred times, you absolutely. know, or asking the same, you know, that same question. Yeah. You're like, I just answered or, this question. Or, or yeah, no, I had a dear friend um, that had the same situation and she said her mom, you know, the doctor had told her if she tells you she's been to the circus, you say, fantastic. How was it? Tell, tell, tell me about the circus. Right. Tell me about right? the circus. It, right. It, so, so Tara and Gayatri, with your children, so how would you, you know, it, 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 it you know, as I, as I had to learn with my kids, you know, it's like. I know every time we pick her up, she's going to pack up a room, but we'll just put it in the car. We'll take her back. We'll unpack it. It's all good. What, what guidance would you give for others in terms of how you help your children navigate this situation? I just just offer two quick things. I think at first I didn't want to talk to them about it. Um, Partially just because I don't, I don't want to talk about it. It's just hard. I know. Not so much being in denial about it, but my kids are very, very young. Um, there is a phenomenal book. I think I'm going to, I'm going to get the title wrong, but I think it's called grandma's cobwebs. It's a children's book and it's about, um, wow. It's about, it's about Alzheimer's and it's about sort of some of the changes and patterns that kids will see. And, and so I bought it, I read it to my kids and they're actually much more comfortable talking about how grandma is not the same as she used to be. And she's slowly losing her memory and grandma is dying. My daughter, my five-year-old daughter will actually say, well, my grandma is still alive, but she's moving toward dying. I didn't give her that language. She, she brings that. And, and that's very hard for me to say, but she says it sort of seamlessly because kids are amazing, right? They have this capacity, this just like beautiful capacity. So I think the most important thing is to not, not talk about it. And then, you know, depending on age of your kids, there's, there are age appropriate materials out there. The book I mentioned is one that really helped my family. That's yet yeah, from the mouths of babes, right? Um, and they, they're 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 so um, they're so resilient, and and they don't have the fear of that, or they don't have to acknowledge the reality that we do, right, as adults. And um, Tara, how about you? Your so advice? I'm a little bit luckier in the sense that my kids are a little bit older. So they are now 16 and 19. So when this really started first happening, they were 13 and 16. So they had independence, but that didn't mean that they didn't need a parent. Right. 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 Oh, well, oh yeah, they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that like the 16 year olds could help out with driving. Right. Like if we needed to get people place from place to place. Um, So we've, they truthfully don't spend, um, I mean, we don't see them a ton, but because <laughs> they're teenagers, um, but so they don't see my mom as much, but we, tr- we definitely try to make it an event that they both like, like my mom loves to go out to eat because, you know, she eats at the assisted living every day and the food's not bad, but you know, yeah. it's also not restaurant yeah. going out to a restaurant right. every day. Right. So things like that of like, come on guys, you know, like, yo, I'll let you pick, you know, and like and my mom will go with whatever, but just trying to create something that we can like, that we can all do together that, you know, is, 
is important. And I always tell them she might not remember, but in this moment she does in this moment, she's happy that we're all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing that I refer to them and also to like my brother, that's not around her all the time is like, never say the word remember, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't know what they remember. Always go along to your advice. Like you went to the circus. Awesome. You know, great. Yeah. Um, and she may have been to the circus and is recalling something from a memory a long time ago, right? Just doesn't right. know that that time frame is one of the things that gets off first is just yeah. the concept yeah. of time. If it was yesterday or if it was six months ago, five years ago. So key, key, key thing is never say the word remember or anything that might cause them to think that they said something incorrectly because then it's total shutdown. Yeah. Right. The conversation's over. I want to go back to their rooms or their homes and separate. Yeah. So let's, let's shift now and talk about what leaders and companies can do to step up and, and help, you know, their, their team members navigate this journey. Um, You know, Tara, you'd already shared the tremendous resource and community that Kimberly Clark has provided. Um, Gayatri, talk to us about what Walmart does. Yeah, Sarah, so, you know, I think there's a couple, there's a couple of things and I'll explain some of the resources we have at the company, but the one thing, and I think this, I think, you know, um, COVID really, I think opened this up for everybody, but it boils down to your humanity and your ability to ask for help. And, um, caregiving is not an independent activity. And as we talk about resources, we talk about websites and places you can go and things you can learn, the most helpful resource for me has just been other people who've been on the same journey and specifically other people at my company who've been on the same journey because they have a different understanding of what's available specifically to us. And so Walmart has an incredible program called Resources for Living, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It was originally started to support um, our employees who were going through cancer themselves or who had family members who were going through cancer and cancer treatment. And it has since been expanded to simply help you manage life events. And that was one of the first phone calls that I placed when I got my mom. It was actually the first phone call before I even called other family. I called that number. I'd never used it before. It's like this 1-800 number. And I was like, I was a little skeptical. I was like, what are they actually going to be able <laughs> yeah. to do? Is it that and, like EAP, yeah, right? Yeah, Which, you know, and, <laughs> traditionally and not so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, within 24 hours, they had a counselor referred to me that my company paid for because I was experiencing a crisis, right? I was experiencing a crisis. It was my mother's medical diagnosis, but it was going to land with me in a really hard way. Um, And they did all the initial phone calls to assisted living communities in the region. They curated a list of them. They sent me prices. They told me where they were opening. So it was like, I just, I just got to lean on this support network because, you know, you have to carry the emotional burden. Nobody can carry that part for you, but somebody Mm -hmm. else can call facilities Mm -hmm. and find out if there's an opening. Right. And so I think whether it's your company, ideally that can provide some sort of resource that can do that, or it's just asking your, your village, um, you know, just recognizing that you don't have to do it all yourself just because it has to be done. Um, yeah. And that's probably the yeah. very hardest part. And, and oftentimes benefits include legal assistance as well. I don't know Absolutely. if that's yes, right. No, that's so it's so too. for that power yep. of attorney and yeah. Um, so Patricia, aside from everybody should be reading your book and then <laughs> listening to your podcast, 
when it starts, you know, what other advice would you have for corporate organizations? What should they be doing? I think they should be um, not, they should be educating more and not waiting till the crisis happens um, so that people can understand managers, directors, that it's going to happen to everyone at some point in time. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's not, it's a, this is an issue that's not going to touch someone. Yeah. I think it's going to touch yeah. everyone from what I can see at some point in time. And I think if everybody is more educated about this time in life, um, whether they're caring for someone or it's going to be you next, I think that's one of the things that um, yeah. more companies can um, uh, can have that empathy, more understanding, you know, because you, you are going to need some time off, whether if you don't have, if you do have a team to help you, but you're still going to need some mental time off, you might need just for yourself, just a yeah. day to say, you know, and I'm going to do me. I want to do me, Wh- whatever it may be, a massage yeah. or, you know, if it's a gentleman, yeah. it might be going to a basketball game or a football game, you know, so you have yeah. to also understand who you are. But also, I just wanted to mention too, um, one of the things in caring for my aunt and I had to spend a lot of time with her. I was able to get a lot of family history because she was able to, they go back in time. And so she was able to tell me a lot of things about family that I knew things, but she sort of filled in other things about uh, other events about why certain things happened. And then I also got, I was able to understand who she was. You know, I knew her, but I really got to understand her from, talking to her from through childhood yeah. to this point in her life. And it really made more sense of who she was because at times she could have been a complicated individual, but then I recognized her complications came from her childhood. Even yeah. though I knew about my parents, you know, she's my father's yeah. sister. I understood their childhood, but I understood it even more in depth from her perspective. And if there's one regret that I have, it's that I did not do a good job of collecting and documenting that history, right? And those memories. Yeah. Um, Tara, I know you have a few more things that you want to share too. And let's let's close out with you. I'd love to hear more about this incredible community that was started at Kimberly Clark. Absolutely. And ours is called the Family Caregivers Network. Um, but it's not just for people that are currently caregivers. Everyone that's within it is in a different stage. We have some people that are currently mm-hmm. caretakers. We know we have some that are know they're going to be. We have some that want to plan for if they are a care recipient. And then we have some that are just allies. But because of that, we bring in different speakers to hit different topics, usually about six speakers a year. And there's recordings then that are on demand. Mm-hmm. So if you have a question, you know, we don't have the same um, hotline, but that you can go and reference what a what somebody's already brought as programming that can answer your questions in a timely manner. And some of our one of our most popular ones is always wills and trusts. That's something mm-hmm. that's relevant to mm-hmm. everyone, whether oh, you are a currently caretaker or not. Um on this particular topic, like later in the year, we'll have the Alzheimer's Association coming in and giving some informational programming. Yeah. Um, ones about having difficult conversations and how you do shared decision-making all the way to Medicare, right? Another topic that applies to so many people, 
that this is where we kind of get more, get a lot into that planning mm-hmm. and understanding mm-hmm. up front. Yeah, and yeah, so we, yeah. it's, it's so important to be aware and just know what's there. And our company has made it usually through the family caregivers network has made it easier to ex- access a lot of this information. Um, and you know, it's so important when we're a smaller network to be bringing in these topics that, you know, people need to consider and need to be talking about, and they're Absolutely. not always fun, right? Because a lot of them no. are associated <laughs> with the ending part of someone's life, whether it be, you know, yeah. your own, you're planning for or a family member, but these resources are just critical and getting people talking about this is absolutely so critical in our futures. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and what I love about these, these, these communities now, right? Like so much in, in the corporate organization, the, the ERGs and the BRCs were developed around identity, right? And identity is so important, right? But now I love, I love seeing the shift and that it's about shared journeys, yeah. It's right. about, you know, helping each other, right? You know, partnering, we're all navigating this together. And and so, gosh, if there's any advice we can give to our business leaders out there, make sure that you are developing these new communities, such as what, like, you know, um, Tara just shared and what Gayatri shared, um, because that's that's how we bring everybody together. Everybody feels like they're included and they belong um, sadly, we have to go. <laughs> like every week, I'm like, we need two hours. <laughs> um, and Patricia, as you said, as we started out the show, it's like it could take a year. But um, but we are, as we always do, we're going to put all sorts of great links to content and advice and guidance from our guests. And uh, I cannot thank you both, uh, all three of you, enough. Um, it, it has truly, um, it's just been so inspirational and we're so grateful, you know, that you've been so vulnerable and so, you know, um, transparent in sharing your journey, but more importantly, sharing your advice and guidance. I always want to thank Voice America for giving me and Next Up this opportunity to share our voice and mission with you, but more importantly, to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like these three women and and incredible you know brands and corporate partners like Kimberly Clark and Walmart who hey they clearly practice what we preach to learn more about next up and to listen to all of our podcasts check us out at nextupisnow.org i'm sarah alter and thank you for always listening Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.